You're listening to the All Youth Podcast, the show where I have the pleasure of talking to up-and-coming creatives, from musicians to journalists and everything in between. I'm your host, Luther, a cinematographer and film student from Derbyshire, currently studying in Norwich. You can find me on Instagram at LutherMEB. My guest today is fashion journalist and YouTuber Ayo Ojo, also known as the Fashion Roadman. We talk breaking into London Fashion Week, establishing connections in fashion and interviewing Magnus Roening. I really enjoyed this conversation. I thought it was fantastic um, and there's a lot of value to be taken from it. So I hope you enjoy it too. I like the concept. That's what it was called. The music that you like, the good music. Pleasure, especially for I'm joined with Ayo Ojo. I didn't butcher that, did I? Hopefully not. <laughs> no, you didn't. You didn't. <laughs> awesome. Um, it's fantastic to sit down with you. Um, I've been, a, I've actually been like a fan fan for so long, which is which is hilarious because uh, you know a lot of the people that I'm able to sit down with and have long conversations with are people that I've known anyway for like quite a long time. But this is sort of the first time meeting you, um, so it's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, that's well, very humbling. For you to say that. <laughs> for those for those that don't know who you are, um, which if you're into fashion and like into YouTube is probably very little people, not gonna lie. But for those people who don't know who you are, how would you best describe like what you do? What what's your discipline? What's your craft? Um, I'd say my day job is I'm a fashion journalist. Mm. Um, so what I do on YouTube is I bring that onto YouTube as a platform. So I have a YouTube channel called The Fashion Archive where I just review runaway shows, talk about fashion history, talk about fashion business sometimes. Um, everything to do with fashion, essentially. Mm. Love it. And also you tend to go for like, I'd say like higher fashion because obviously streetwear is dead popular. And there's a lot yeah. of content for streetwear, but I think it's it's so weird, you know, like seeing the amount of normal streetwear that there's on YouTube and like outfit inspiration and that sort of thing and seeing just the lack of high fashion on the platform do you think there's like a gap in the market to say um I think when I first started there was I think now there's a lot more commentary channels like people talk like reviewing runway shows and stuff is becoming like yeah. kind of big yeah on YouTube which is which is cool because there needs to be a balance I always felt like like when I started my channel it was all outfit videos which is fine but like there's way more to fashion than that Mm. And that was the main like inspiration for me starting my channel. Yeah, hundred um, percent. The channel's coming up on two years old now, which is yeah a big achievement. Like that's a long time to be creating content on a regular basis. Um, the 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 channel name, as you said, is the Fashion Archive. Uh, sit currently sitting at fifty one k, huge achievement. Um, and you just had a live stream, right? Um, I'm about to have a live stream later today. Oh, amazing. That's that's going to be sick to be able to see the community because I'm aware that as, as well, your your channel, you've got a Discord that's connected to your yeah. YouTube channel. Um, what's it like, like creating that community and building up a community for a channel? Um, I think it's really cool. I think that all those things, is, that's the reason I started my channel is because I felt like there wasn't discussion being had as far as YouTube was concerned about yeah. fashion in general. It was all just outfits which once again is cool but like there's not much community building you can do from that Mm. whereas if your content is more discussion based people always have more to say 
and are very opinionated about something you might say in a video and they want to take the conversation elsewhere. And actually, it wasn't my idea to do the Discord. I, I won't take credit for that. Someone who's followed my channel from like early, early days, this guy called Rohan, and um, he was the one who was like, people have really strong opinions. I feel like you should create a Discord for your channel so people can just like discuss this stuff all day. Um, and that was kind of how I decided to make it. Yeah, I mean, YouTube comments can be a bit of a cesspool anyway. So like yeah. <laughs> ha having the like formality in different rooms and stuff of Discord can be really useful. Yeah. Um, as well, you've garnered like quite a following on Instagram as well. Um, at Fashion Roadman. As always, all the links will be in the description, like YouTube channel in the description. Um, later as well, I wanted to talk about some of the journalism stuff that you've been doing. So obviously that work's going to be linked down there. But at Fashion Roadman sitting at 12K, man's got a lot of followers. You're doing well. <laughs> where do you, where, do you think that like audience is a direct translation? A direct translation of what? Like people who watch your YouTube then go and find you on Instagram or is it a mix of people that don't even know that you have a YouTube channel? Oh, it's definitely a mix. Like, um, so I was, there's this girl who followed me on Instagram. She's quite like famous. I, I don't want to say her name just yeah. in case she doesn't want me to like bait her out or anything. But basically I was talking to her and I, I assumed that she found my Instagram from my YouTube because it's just something yeah, yeah. I always assume. And then I remember one time I posted a video on my story, like one of my videos. And she was like, oh my God, you have a YouTube channel? I didn't know that. And I was like, <laughs> oh, interesting. So then I asked her, I was like, okay, how did you find my Instagram? Because I don't really post many pictures. Yeah. So I just didn't know how someone could possibly see my stuff. And she said, apparently, I was on her explore page, which mm. is strange. So actually, I've come to realize it's actually almost like half and half. Like half of the audience is from YouTube and half of it, they don't even know of like the YouTube stuff I do. That's crazy. That's a crazy experience as well, being like, Oh yeah. So anyway, about my YouTube, and then she's like, "I didn't even know you had a YouTube." Yeah. <laughs> and there's there's so much content there as well. Like, have, have there been any like huge breaks that you've taken? You mean on Instagram? On YouTube? Um, no, not that I can think of. No. That's good going, isn't it? For two years. Yeah, I don't. Sometimes, like, I was thinking about it today because today I'm doing like a live stream to celebrate 50k. Yeah. And I was thinking, how did I possibly post consistently for two years? I don't even know how I did it. Honestly, when I think about it. It is an absolute feat. Like, so do you, do you have like a, I'm curious, just like, because it's interesting. Do you have a specific upload schedule? Um, no, I really don't. What I try to do is if I know I'm going to be free during the week, then I'll just like make videos and post them whenever. But if I know like oh okay there are going to be a lot of deadlines then I might make one extra video and then just schedule it for that week I'll be busy and that's kind of how I've managed to just keep staying consistent so there are points in time where I like pre-record for so a good example is like right now it's probably be the, been the least consistent like I haven't posted in almost three weeks because at school I had crazy deadlines and stuff and mm. It was the one time I forgot to like pre-make videos. Um, but usually that's what I do. That's such good going. I'm I'm with you on that one. Like if I'd done that thing for two years, the level of disbelief. Um, <laughs> I think I initially found you. So I went to Antwerp a while ago. Um, 
for a, a fashion thing for a, a show. Oh, that's cool. Um, and it was I I wasn't that into fashion. Like I was into fashion. How every teenage boy's into fashion. Like, yo, <laughs> sick Jordans, man. That's sort of, that sort of thing. Like, yo, these skinny jeans with rips on are fucking swag, dude. Um, so like I was just not that into fashion whatsoever, but kind of into streetwear and stuff. Um, and so. I, someone had told me, obviously, you know, fashion's so big in Antwerp. Like, I was going for a fashion thing. Like, you should know a bit about Antwerp fashion. So I did a quick YouTube search, came across your YouTube channel. I was like, how is this information free? That was my first, <laughs> like... Because you know, you know what I mean? Like, if you go to fashion school, you're likely to learn a lot of the things that you talk about. Like, profiles yeah. on different designers, profiles on different houses, and how they've gained popularity and gone through different stages. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I also think it depends. It depends on what fashion school you go to as well, because mm. I have actually lectured at a fashion school where I was talking about the Antwerp Six and stuff, and everyone was looking at me like, "What are you talking about?" Criminal. So I yeah, so I, <laughs> so I think it it kind of depends. Um, but yeah, in in a general sense, if you go to a good fashion school, yeah, they will tell you about those things. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent um i'm i'm looking i was doing like research obviously um into your youtube channel i'm um, just going through different stuff one video that i like always come back to because i think there's a lot of value just just in terms of like the youtube community not necessarily talking about high fashion and like the history of fashion yeah. but i think that magnus interview was actually really useful for like people who want to get into fashion youtube and people who want to make content yeah um he's have you seen he's come back kind yeah of. um <laughs> kind of came back kind of kind of came back <laughs> the fashion community i'm sure absolutely missing um just a, a sick content creator but i don't want to say too much because i this by the way will be released first of january new year's 2021 we're time traveling Ooh. like a month into the future so magnus is probably probably not the best thing to talk about because you never know what's going on with him <laughs> He what might was, disappear for a few exactly. More he might well, he might disappear for a year, <laughs> as <laughs> as per before. Um, what was your uh, like relationship with with him like? How did you build that connection? Um, so quite interesting actually. So, I if do you know um who High Fashion Talk are like the yeah. group? Yeah, yeah. So I'm friends with the the founder Iolo. Mm -hmm. So the first time I got to go to London Fashion Week, actually, this is a cool story. He messaged me randomly out of the blue. He was like, have you ever been to London Fashion Week before? And I was like, no, I've been to like Paris once because I got like to go to one show because of where I worked. And he was like, okay, could you cover like London Fashion Week for High Fashion Talk? Um, so I was like, yep, of course. Like, of course I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. unfortunately for him, but fortunately for me in a kind of roundabout way, Iolo was ill. So I was supposed to be the person for High Fashion Talk who kind of just like went to the shows that they couldn't go to because there are more important shows to go to because how fashion works is very political and like if they invite you to a show and you don't come, they just kind of blacklist you. Yeah. So the, and some shows go on at the same time or they're so close to each other in time, but distance wise, location wise, they're far. So you need to have like all different people at the shows at different times to make sure you hit all bases. But then Iolo was ill, so then I just got to use his invite for everything, and I was just walking and saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm Iolo um, from High Fashion Talk," and just got into like every single show. Um, 
And then from there, during that time during Fashion Week, we got we went backstage at a Liam Hodges show. And then I met Magnus. That was for the first time. And we were just talking about YouTube stuff. And it was I was shocked then because I saw him as like this huge YouTuber. And I must have had like maybe like 9K then. And he was like, yeah, I watch your channel. Like, I really like it. Keep doing what you're doing type of Damn. stuff. Which was really cool. I was like, no yeah. way. Like, I've been watching Magnus for forever. Like, for him to watch my content's insane. So that was insane. And then... I'd just been speaking to him for a while and then eventually it was like, oh, it would be cool if we record a video because he also, like, well, not a spoiler anymore, but he told me around that time that he was thinking of, like, stopping YouTube videos. Mm. So he was like, yeah, it will be cool to, like, film a video before, like, I call it quits. <laughs> and if you if Damn. you look at the if you look at if you look at the comments in that Magnus video, yeah. a lot of people kind of caught on to it, which was quite fascinating. They're like, Magnus looks a bit down and stuff. And that was because like I had a long conversation with him that day. Um and I can talk about this stuff now because it's he's kind of talked about it, where yeah. he was talking about why he fell out of love with YouTube and how you know how people used to call him a lesbian and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. And he felt like, yes, it's all fun and games, but like he, a sense of him, a part of him wants to be taken more seriously. Mm. So it's just like, he just kind of fell out of love with it in general. But that was kind of how we connected. It's difficult having, because obviously the whole influencer style thing where you're showing your outfits, like you've got to be pretty, you've got to have a nice house, that sort of thing. And you've got to... Yeah. All of a sudden, everywhere you go is golden hour. You only take photos at sunset. Like your <laughs> life seems perfect. So, like you are living the influencer lifestyle, but at the same time, you're engaging in the high fashion world, which is, I I'm, I don't think you're gonna mind me saying, is full of quite a lot of snobbery. Uh, oh yeah, quite a lot of like looking down on people. So, it's I, I imagine for him it was a different, a weird dichotomy between having the influencer lifestyle where, you know, it's it's seen as this thing that anyone can do, which it's not. And then fashion, which is seen as a super exclusive thing. How yeah. do you like take that and walk along the line? Because obviously you do YouTube, but you're certainly not along cut, cut from the same cloth, cloth as Magnus in that I wouldn't say you're an influencer, but your content is your main selling point. Yeah. Um, it's kind of weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird in that sense. Um, I think, once again, the motivation for me starting my channel was I don't see this content. And then in a general sense when it comes to high fashion, people are very, like you said, snobbish. Yeah. So high fashion people are the type of people that you ask them, oh, can you tell me more about like Balenciaga? And they'll be like, go read a book. Like I, <laughs> I spent this amount of money buying a book. So you need to buy a book too and spend yeah. what I spent. It's like this weird mentality. So my whole thing was like breaking that barrier down. Um, and that was kind of why I made my content. So I think... The reason why I'm not seen as like an influencer, not that like there's anything wrong with that, is just that my content isn't necessarily about me because the videos aren't about me. Like Magnus mm. makes videos about his personal style. When I make a video, it's not about me. It's about a certain designer's work or about a certain brand or about news in a in the fashion industry. It's actually never about me, even though I'm the person presenting it. Mm. So I think that's where the difference is. Speaking of that as well, um, something that just came to mind with, obviously, if you talk as objectively as you can about fashion, you're still going to be subjective because fashion is an art form. And so therefore, yeah. there is no way to comment on it without you know having some level of 
um, subjectivity. Yeah. What's something that you said that you think has really pissed people off? <laughs> I say a lot of things that piss people off. Um, any negative thing I say about Rick Owens is there's outrage. Um, one thing I've, I've said that got people really mad was I said that I don't like Jack Moose. I think he's overrated. Yeah. Um, that was probably the, the thing <laughs> I did. said that got people uh, mad, really, really mad. Mm. I think, like you were just saying as well, like if you have these these guys and girls, I, I say guys collectively, but like if you have these guys that are like, I learned this from a book and it took me ages to learn it, right? And it was hard information to get. And so therefore it should be hard for you to get. Yeah. I think that's a mentality that, is really quite exclusive to fashion because um like my you you do video so you get it but like um my my main discipline personally is like filmmaking and it seems yeah. to be one of those industries that's so spread like you can go on youtube and you can learn three lighting setups that you can take and use in a film right yeah like there is concepts that, that just translate straight across and the only thing that i've come across that's similar to fashion in the way that like how people talk about information and how people talk about knowledge is um, actually like cardistry and magic. Um, yeah. Not a lot of people know this, but like <laughs> in as a kid and like even a few years ago, I was quite into like cardistry uh, and sleight of hand and magic and that sort of thing. And because it's so like guarded, because obviously there's secrets that you don't want to give away because it's so guarded, everything's in books. Um, not a lot of like the more complex stuff that would actually like fool magicians and that sort of thing would yeah. actually be on youtube because then you know you are performed to by a magician you think oh that was a cool trick let me just type in i don't know clear glass case thing into youtube and all of a sudden <laughs> you find out the gimmick like it seems as though within fashion it has a similar way of dealing with information yeah but why it's weird is because i don't get what what is the benefit of not telling someone? It's not like magic where it's because you want the illusion to always be there. Fashion, by telling someone information, I don't see what you lose from that. Mm. That's why I find it really, really strange. I, I find it extremely strange. Yeah. I think do do you would you stand by this idea? I was talking to a friend the other day about this. Would you stand by the idea that all information should be free? Um, no, because, only because some of the work that people go to, to acquiring certain information, I feel like they deserve to be paid for it. So like an author that really dedicates like 10, 15 years to like writing this book that explains everything. I feel like people should buy the book. Um, But I feel like if you've read the book, then if someone asks you a question, you shouldn't just be like, Mm -hmm. oh, buy the book because that's a bit crazy yeah what what if though like for you 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 obviously have your youtube monetized like yeah. you're you're making money off your off your youtube and you're giving the information away for free like there are now loads of ways that a customer can have something for free yeah. but in many ways pay the person that's giving that information what if it yeah. was the same for like book information oh yeah if there was a way to like monetize it in the way of youtube where the consumers don't actually have to pay but the person who made it gets money, yeah, because it's still not free. Like, it's free to the consumer, but someone's paying for it somewhere at the end of the day, whether yeah. it's advertisers or YouTube or whatever. Um, so in that sense, oh, yeah, that's completely fine. 
Because mm. even technically, like, my YouTube videos are free to consumers, like, free to people that watch it, but they're not necessarily free. There's advertisers paying for it. Yeah, like, it's like the audience is the is the product itself because you're being advertised to. Yeah. Um, I, I guess, do, do you think a lot of the information and you've spoken about this before um we're talking about like standard education like university a lot of people know it's it's quite a widely known thing that you study at central saint martins in london um, yeah. do you think it's almost a catchphrase i love it <laughs> central saint martins baby it's a good school it's a good school you got it you got to respect it um do you think that anything that you could learn pretty much within an institution in the world of fashion you could learn elsewhere oh yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. damn it's just i've i've made videos about it it's it's just that you have to weigh your options mm. so like when I, I always use like great designers that people understand as examples so a good examples like alexander mcqueen when alexander mcqueen did go to csm but csm didn't actually teach him anything what he gained from CSM was the fact that he got to meet um, Isabella Blow, which basically, which lit- she was literally the woman responsible for like spearheading his whole career. Yeah. So right place, right time. But in terms of skill, McQueen learned absolutely nothing from going to CSM because even when McQueen applied to CSM, he was so good at pattern making, they thought he was applying as like a lecturer um, <laughs> because he learned so much at Savile Row, just being an apprentice. So I think it's more opportunity. So a good example is like McQueen was just happy. He was lucky enough to be born at a time where there weren't many people that were working in fashion, but more jobs than the people that were willing to work in them. So Savile Row tailors went to the length of just like, we need people to intern, we'll teach you and we'll pay you, just come here. Like that would never happen now because there are yeah. people that are so that need a job so or want to work in fashion so much that they'll work for free. And even if they're willing to work for free, those jobs still aren't available. Mm. So that's why people have to go to school because those type of opportunities aren't available. So it's like you can learn it outside, but that opportunity has to be there. It's like someone like Raf Simmons, for example. People like to say, Oh, Raf Simmons, he didn't study fashion design. But the thing about Raf Simmons is he was personally tutored by Walter Van Buurendonk, who's one of the Antwerp Six. So how many of us realistically are going to have the opportunity to be personally tutored by someone like Walter Van Buurendonk, who's now like head of fashion at the Royal Academy of Antwerp? So it's like, it's more of an opportunity thing. But in a general sense, you can learn anything outside of university. You don't necessarily have to go... But if you're not going to go, but you still want those skills, you have to weigh like what opportunities you have available. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I can see where you're coming from with that, and I think there are so many parallels to other creative industries within that, like yeah. painting, um, like photography, like filmmaking. Um, a big thing within film is, and YouTube has been the ultimate rebellion against this. Is like, should you go to film school? Realistically. Yeah. If if you go to film school and you know loads already, the only thing you're going to get out of it is network. And I think it's the same with studying fashion at a prestigious yeah, university. Exactly. But I think it's it's also how much does a network mean to you? Because, I mean, for someone like me, 
I kind of already know what I want and what I'm doing. So I'm partially going to SM for the network, which the network has been insane, though. Like the um, the type of designers I've been able to connect with, and I've only been there for like not that long, is insane. And when I graduate, I already have a relationship with designers that are like LVMH prize winners and really big in the industry. So it's, I guess it's it's just like opportunity costs. You have to weigh the opportunity cost of actually paying the degree versus yeah. what you get out of it. And the thing about, like you said, film school or painting or fashion, those type of degrees, you have to make something out of it. If you study fashion, you stay at home all day, then you're not really utilizing the point of paying that money. Because mm. then you're like just the learning whole... for the skill. Exactly. So the whole point of the networking is you go to school a lot, you talk to people at school, you connect with people that go to your school, you work with people on projects, like that's how you you utilize it. Yeah, 100%. And you, you mentioned as well, like, you have a pretty clear idea of where you want to be. Yeah. When you were, like, getting into fashion, what did that look like? Because obviously, at some point, you've you've had no idea what you want to do. And then you've just go to fashion and gone through a process. And now you, like, have a, a pretty distinct idea of the direction that you want to go. What was your first entry point into fashion? And how did you come to that conclusion? Oh, so, oh, this is, how much time do you have? Oh, mate, we've got, <laughs> we got ages, let's go. <laughs> okay, so, um, first, well, I was always in streetwear, and I'm still in streetwear now, which is kind of a funny misconception, because people think because I talk about high-end fashion, I'm not in streetwear, but I'm into fashion in general, mm. so every aspect of it. So, I was in streetwear because I played basketball, and if you're a basketball player, you know about Jordan, you, you're into Jordans and sneakers in general, so I was kind of into streetwear and, and basketball players used to wear things like Supreme like way before it was popular. Yeah. The people like Tyler, the creator that used to wear it as well. So I was into Supreme and stuff. And then I got into sixth form and I met these two guys. So one of them was called George Vickery and one was called Toby Roberts. And Toby was more like a Rick head. He was like really into Rick Owens um he was into Ras Simmons as well and then there was George Vickery who's a photographer he's actually a photographer till today studied that he's really well known now and he was more into I remember he was wearing off-white literally this was close to when literally Virgil Abloh just launched it which is crazy yeah that's bad and he was wearing like all these different brands and I was like what is this and it was so fascinating yeah um based on just what I'd seen and I started to, like, really be interested in what they were wearing. And I used to ask them loads of questions and stuff. And then I started to read about fashion just because I was so curious to understand. And one of the first books I read was this book on Comme des Garçons. I can't remember what it's called, but it's kind of like a brief overview on what Comme des Garçons is and everything about that. And then what normally happens is when you're reading about Com, you read about how um, in Ray Kalkubo, who's the creative director of Com de Garçon, her early days, she was with Yoji Yamamoto, used to hang around him a lot. They used to make collections. And then you're like, who's this Yoji guy? 
And then you read about Yoji and then yeah, you hear yeah. about Issei Miyake and all the stuff he does with fabrics. And you're like, who's this Issei? And then you read about Issei and it says he's inspired by Kansai Yamamoto. And then you're like, who's Kansai? And then mm. before you know it, you're just on this like long rabbit hole. But this whole time I was reading all these books, it was really just a side thing. Because to segue, I after sixth form, I studied chemical engineering. And the main reason... For doing that was I didn't know what I wanted to do and it was just like chemical engineering is a really safe option it's science they're good job prospects you can Mm -hmm. earn a good living with that degree so that was what I did and then I remember the first summer when I was in uni I was doing this job where I was kind of like a, a house mover so I'd go to people's houses dismantle their furniture and their beds uh carry all their stuff into a van and then move all their furniture into the new home that they're moving into so this woman specifically she was moving her stuff from a house in England to a house in France mm-hmm. um and her name is Benice Pan but I'll, I'll get into it later and when I was in France unloading her stuff I saw a magazine that I think she was on or she was featured in so I asked her oh are you into fashion like do you work in fashion or something and she was like yeah I have like a brand I'm like a designer and I thought that was really interesting because at that time, even though I was studying chemical engineering, that was when I was reading a lot of fashion books. Mm. So then I started asking her like, oh, that's cool. What designers do you like? Um, who inspires you? And she's a sustainable designer. So we started talking about designers that are sustainable, like Stella McCartney. And we were talking about um, different brands that do sustainable things like Patagonia. Yeah. And then at the end of my job like unloading all her stuff she we had to walk somewhere I think we needed to buy something for the house and then on the way she was like you're really interesting like I like that you have a lot to say about fashion she was like if you're free um I've been looking to hire a fashion intern and it's a paid opportunity so don't worry it's like you'll get paid for it and all of that so if you're interested let me know and then on the spot I was like yep So I quit the job I was doing and then the next day I literally started a fashion internship. And I think that internship Biggest mistake ever, quitting a moving job for a fashion internship. What are you doing, man? (laughs) The moving industry is grieving. (laughs) But yeah, it's crazy. And I feel like that internship, I learned the most ever. Like I was, the thing about reading about fashion is it depends on what angle you read from. You can read about fashion as a designer and learn about the actual techniques. I was more reading about in a journalist way. So I was learning about what designers have done and why they're great. So I didn't actually know anything about garment construction. So I remember my first internship, she was like, um, Aya, do you know what a pattern is? And I was like, uh, no, what's that? And she was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then she had to like explain to me what a pattern is. I had to learn how to actually make a pattern. And I was like arranging patterns and all this different stuff. And I learned how to like grade patterns, which for people that don't know, like a pattern is basically what you use, like an outline of a garment. Mm. Um, and with every pattern, what grading is, is Say you make your pattern in a small size, grading allows you to adjust the measurements for when you make it a medium or a large or an extra large or stuff like that. Um, So I learned all that stuff. And then 
I was doing all different types of job during that internship. So from making patterns to arranging patterns to doing handiwork to getting coffee to hosting people to um, doing art exhibitions to doing runaway shows. It was literally full on. Like I did absolutely everything you could possibly do. And I'm so happy I did that internship, especially because it was paid as well, which was fantastic. Yeah. And then from there, that was when I decided I was really interested in fashion. But I kind of knew from that internship, I was never going to be a good designer because I worked alongside like a seamstress that used to do um, some stuff for Balenciaga. And I was like, yeah, I'm just never going to be that good. He's been doing this stuff since he was like four years old. Like, I don't have it in my blood. But I felt like I knew a lot about fashion, not just because I was reading about it, but because... I also did an internship where I had to make patterns and stuff. So I started to learn about the construction. Mm. So I felt like I had a wider understanding of fashion as a whole. And then I sat down and thought, yeah, journalism is what makes the most sense based on like my skill set. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, that's that's a ride right there, man. Yeah. It's. Do you think that if you hadn't like looked out and like completely just like, out of the blue met this person in fashion you would have from just reading fashion eventually like meandered into fashion or gone down the science route um I feel like I still would have worked in fashion because I I feel like the reason I was reading so much about fashion was because I got I was so interested in it yeah and also on the side this whole time because remember I was still in streetwear so I was like a reseller. So I used to resell sneakers and resell Supreme and resell Palace and stuff like that. So I know. So obviously I was earning quite a bit of money reselling. So I knew I kind of wanted to work in fashion. I just had no idea how I would possibly do it. Hmm. I just had it in the back of my mind that it's something I wanted to do. So when the opportunity um, presented itself, it was kind of just like, oh shit, this is meant to be type of thing it's kind of full circle man like yeah. you, you got into fashion and now you're educating people about high fashion yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like i think i think you probably are that designer for so many people yeah to be honest like i'm not i'm not just saying that to be like you're so influential oh my god like gas you up but like genuinely i think because you're the most predominant like easily accessible but in a good way way into high fashion especially yeah. with people who are into YouTube, which is a young demographic, obviously. Like, you you are probably the, the start of that circle now. I wonder yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many people are going to, like, make a end up making a show or, like, being the creative director of somewhere and then be like, oh, where did, when did you get into fashion? Oh, I just stumbled across the fashion archive on YouTube. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, yeah, it's... To be honest, it's so humbling because of, like... At the end of the day, it's hard to like, yes, it. I can see 50,000 subscribers. Um, but the thing is, like, when I'm at home, I'm alone at home. So I, I don't actually see these people. Yeah. So it's hard to actually realize, oh, wow, that's actually 50,000 people. Because it's, I meet people that have seen my channel in the strangest of ways. A good example is um, when I applied to go to CSM, um, eventually I got to the interview stage so I had to go in for an interview yeah and I met this guy from Austria who I saw his shoes and they were quite interesting the CCP boots so I was like oh those are interesting those CCP boots I don't see those every day 
And he was like, oh, yeah, it's crazy you recognize that. I actually recognize you from your channel. And I was like, oh, damn. And he was applying to be a menswear designer at CSM. So now he's actually at CSM for menswear and we're really good friends. And, like, we see each other all the time. And it's crazy, like, when you start to meet these people on a day-to-day basis, like, a good example is, um, so I was doing this uni project on a South African fashion designer called Tebe Magugu, and fashion, once again, going back to the elitism, if they don't deem you an important person, or they don't know who you are, they just kind of ignore you, it's just how fashion is, it's like, there's like a hierarchy, Yeah. so I reached out to his team that I wanted to interview him for my project. And then they were like, um, well, Tebe's busy. He sends his regards. Um, good luck with the project. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> and that uh, was the response I got. And I think eventually he saw it. And I don't know, maybe he had words with them or something. But then after he sent me an email and he was like, oh, sorry for what the PR said. I'm, I actually watched your channel. I saw the video you made about my brand. I've been thinking of a way to like thank you for that um let me know when you're free and i'll like send you a zoom link which was so insane and for someone like that type of designer to like watch my channel is insane i remember i made a video about um alexander wang at balenciaga and he sent me a dm on instagram about how he was watching the video and it was really touching and stuff and i'm like it's an even okay craziest story craziest one out of all of them actually come on so this you're getting the really good story. Dude, I'm getting the scoop. It's the <laughs> scoop. <laughs> <laughs> this is how random, but this is what living in London's like. Random things has happened. So yeah, I remember I finished work, and it was maybe around six, seven p.m. And one of my friends said, "Oh, there's an event at Selfridges that you should come to. Like, it seems like something's going to happen." Yeah. So I was like, "Okay, whatever." So I was a bit tired. I was like, "Okay." So I went to Selfridges met with my friend and it turned out to be a collaboration between a Cold War Dior and Daniel Larsham, the artist. So they kind of had like an installation. Sick. But I didn't know because my friend just told me, oh, come, we didn't even know what was going on, that you had to have a ticket to go to it. Mm. So in fashion, most times you just have to blag your way in. So I was kind of trying to blag my, my way in, like telling the security oh I know the designers when I really didn't um and trying to blag and it just didn't work so we had accepted we wouldn't get in so in Selfridges there's like a big like glass window like massive that you can see so me and my friends we went round to see what was going on and then Samuel Ross who's a founder of A Cold War and I think someone who works with him they must they saw me through the window and they started pointing at me. And then in my head, I'm like, there's absolutely no way Samuel Ross is pointing at me. So I looked behind. Because you know when you can't believe that someone's pointing at you? Yeah, so I looked yeah. behind to see, okay, who is he pointing at? And then I looked back and there was no one behind me. Then I looked back, back at him. And then he was kind of like signaling for me to come. So then I came in. And then... He came up to me and he was like, yo, I really like what you're doing with the YouTube channel. I like your YouTube channel. I'm like, no way. Like, this is actually Samuel Ross. Like, this does not make sense. And then we started talking about, like, his brand and what he's doing in the future and his future collections and stuff. 
And since then, I've had like a really good relationship with Samuel Ross and he's invited me to some stuff. So it's just, it's so insane. Like when you start realizing, oh yeah, that 50,000, there's actually people behind those numbers. Yeah. And and if you had 50,000 people stood in front of you right now, you probably wouldn't believe it. Yeah, exactly. Like just insane amount of numbers. All right, we are going to take a really, really short break. There is so much more to talk about. We've absolutely <laughs> flown through that time. It has not felt like uh, 40 minutes it has been. Um, so we're going to take a really, really short break and we'll be back in just a second. I like the concept that's what it was called. The music that you like, the good music thank you so much for listening to the all youth podcast if you want to support the show and help other people like yourself find it then you can give us a rating on itunes or follow the show on spotify also we have instagram you can find teasers before the show drops over there as well as announcements of future guests so make sure you're following us at all youth podcast that's it on with the show Boom, we're back with Ayur, a.k.a. Fashion Roadman. Where did that name come from? You know what, it was just, it was at a time where, like, a lot of people I know, they had a really, like, snidey Instagram names, like, Sylvan Locked or <laughs> all those funny names. So I was like, hmm, what could be a name that's, like, true to me, but, like, still kind of, like, funny, kind of wacky? Yeah, and then I just came up with Fashion Roadman on the fly, mm. um, because it kind of like obviously I didn't grow up in like Chelsea. I grew up in Lewisham, which is full of like what you consider roadman, a roadman. Sorry, um, so it's like kind of funny because I'm from an area where there are people like that, but I'm not not necessarily one of them. Mm. So then I was like, yeah, I'm just like a fashion version of like that. <laughs> so it's like yeah, Fashion Roadman, elevated roadman. <laughs> love it I, I noticed as well did you you changed your instagram name a while back to your was it your name or was it the fashion archive that you changed to no it was the fashion archive oh okay and then is it is it back now yeah it's back people didn't like it oh people start kicking <laughs> off yeah people were like the fashion road man's the best instagram name how could you change it blah 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 so nah, like, you can't listen okay, to people okay okay <laughs> What was the reason for, like, changing it in the first place? I, because, so I thought that as a journalist or as an aspiring journalist, it's kind of weird when you're in a serious setting and they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, what's your Instagram? And then people <laughs> yeah. are just, like, saying their name, like, James, Mark, or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, Fashion Road, man. It was just a bit strange. Mm. But um, I guess people like it, so I just have to... Have to I, roll with that. I guess that's the niche now as well. Yeah. Like that, that can be your thing. Like, you got to wear, like, big puffer jackets everywhere you go. <laughs> Just, like, play into it. But, like, have the most, like, in-depth uh, discourse about fashion. <laughs> like, bring people out for their knowledge and stuff. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, um, YouTube-wise, and that sort of thing, um, Obviously, you started a couple of years ago, but I've noticed from going like back into the catalogue. Also, I've seen your face far too much by doing research. I've listened. <laughs> I've listened to a lot, a lot of hours of you talking, um, <laughs> and like the production quality all the way from the, the beginning, at the beginning of the two years, was pretty good. Yeah. For most people, it's shit when they start out. Why was yours like actually good? Um, that was like, that's a really good question because I had a YouTube channel before. Ah. Uh, 
Cheating. So YouTube... Cheating's the answer. <laughs> yeah, I had a YouTube channel before and I kind of, it was kind of similar content. Like I made videos, like I made a video on like the history of Gucci. I made a video on like the history of um, Acne Studios, mm. but I felt like I kind of, I didn't market it right. And like the thing about YouTube is kind of once you mess up your engagement, you can't kind of come back from it. Yeah. And luckily it wasn't like a big channel. Like it wasn't even, I don't think I had even a hundred subscribers. So it was a thing where I was like, yeah, I'll just like make a new channel and do what I should have done when I started my first one. Yeah. Um, but the big difference being that that was also when I bought a new camera because I used to like make films and stuff like as a side gig. So I was always like upgrading my camera equipment and, before I had some really, really bad equipment. Like I had a, I think it was like a Sony Alpha 58 oh, that I got on eBay for that, yeah, maybe, that is like, old, isn't it? maybe like 50 pounds or something. It was so bad. <laughs> Holy shit. It quote unquote shoots HD videos, but the HD was so bad. It's, it, you can't call it HD. Yeah, it's probably 720 or something. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, I finally, I got, so the camera I got at the time was a Sony A6500, which, like, can shoot 4K and stuff, so yeah. when I made my new channel, it was like, yeah, I'm going to make the production a certain way, at least, Um, so that's why. That's that's good, did you, because obviously you do, you do photography as well, are you still into the photography side of things? Oh yeah, for sure, Um, I just don't, I don't post a lot of pictures I take, which I should. Um, but yeah, I'm still like doing photography a lot, actually. It's such good work. I saw on your your website or somewhere like some of the studio stuff that you shot. Like, yeah, there was a few shots in a studio. Just fantastic work. Were Thanks you shooting? A lot. Thanks a lot. <laughs> on the same camera. Yeah. Yeah. No, I relate to that. So here's the funny thing: I shoot both photo and video on my Sony A6500. So. Oh, so you had the same camera? No yeah, way. <laughs> same camera, and I also up- upgraded from like a really shit um, entry level <laughs> Nikon DSLR, and I had like one yeah. lens. So that's a win for that. I mean, the four K is the four K is okay. Could do with some better color, but it is what it yeah, is. Yeah, for sure. Have you upgraded since? Yeah. So luckily, I I can afford it, but I did this job where one of the perks was they buy you new camera equipment. Nice. So they gave me like a budget. It was like 3,000 and something pounds. I think 3,500. They're like, okay, within this budget, like get a camera. Yeah. So I was like, Psh, okay. Um, so I got a Sony a7 III. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is basically, it's very similar to a6500, to be honest. It's just full frame. Yeah. And the dynamic range is maybe slightly better. Um, so yeah, that was the camera upgraded too. I had to change all my lenses as well because like full frame and APS-C lenses are like completely different. Um, yeah, but that's quite annoying. sad. You could have yeah, got a, really, um, really annoying, like a step, a converter. Rate. Yeah, but I just, I just didn't want to. Yeah, and no, also because that luckily the A7 III wasn't like three thousand five hundred, so within the budget I could get some lenses as well. So I got um, an eighty mil, fifty mil, and a twenty four mil. Oh, nice, yeah. Yeah, so luckily, yeah, that's why I was able to upgrade. Otherwise, I'd still have my Sony A6500. Good old Sony A6500. I mean, you're you're pretty much filled through, like, a lot of good focal ranges there. Was it 35, yeah. 50, and an 80? 
Yeah. Yeah, 24, really 24, 24. Oh, 24. Yeah. All prime. Yeah. Whew. Some bouquet going on, <laughs> going on there. Some bouquet going on there. Um, did you used to have your, you used to have your um, photography linked to your Instagram, didn't you? Like in the bio or something. Yeah. Where can people find your photography work now? Um, It's still, I need to, I think the reason why I didn't link it, I removed it was because I wanted people to focus on my magazine Instagram. Uh, mm. But I should put it back, actually. But the Instagram is still the same. It's I-R-O-J-O Media. Um, so that's the Instagram page. Very nice. Um, but I do I do want to, like, post more on that page, to be honest. I should post more. You mentioned uh, very, very slickly that you replaced the, the photography Instagram with the Fashion Archive mag. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is that? Could you tell us something about that? Oh, the magazine. Yeah. Um, so some promo yeah let's go yeah free free promo we love that um so with the magazine what it was was that so with every magazine not saying it's wrong once again it's just i like to do like different things yeah most fashion magazines whether it's vogue or id or harper's bazaar or women's wide date whatever their whole selling point is they try to get the most famous people they can possibly get on the cover yeah, and kind of promote it that way. And I always felt like there was never actually... Well, ID comes close, but not really. ID still, they claim to like be the magazine that caters for like up-and-coming creators, but their idea of up-and-coming is just like not the creative director of Louis Vuitton, but like still established somewhat. Mm. So my whole selling point was I wanted to make a magazine that's actually for people whose work I like, but they're not known at all. So like fashion students or designers from a place where we just don't look at the fashion. So one thing I want to do for future issues, I can't afford it now, but when I can afford it is maybe to go to a country that isn't well documented in terms of fashion. So like go somewhere like Romania and just like go through interview all the different designers that are big there and just document the whole fashion scene and turn that into a magazine um so that's kind of the selling point for my magazine so that was actually why i made it um so that's basically what it is that's such a good idea man i wish i'd come up with that myself so like you just flip it on its head everyone's trying to go for the biggest person you go for the you go for the people that no one knows about exactly yeah, it's a good idea. So I imagine so a lot it's of the like, people... yeah, you go there to like learn about, you know, the people that are going to be interesting. You just know you don't necessarily, you might not know them. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. That's, that's sick. I think, so I imagine you'll be going to like student shows and that sort of thing and looking at who won yeah. the awards at the best schools that year and that sort of thing. Yeah. So like in my magazine, like spoiler alert, but one of the people being featured, Alexandra Schipper, she just graduated from. Central State Martin, she's won a few awards, actually. Um, and I just like her work. I thought her work was really interesting. I was like, yeah, like, do you, would you want to be on the magazine and stuff? So it's kind of like stuff like that. Yeah. So a lot of, like, people that are, come from your connections or, like, outside circles. Yeah. But a good a good idea I also have is... um. So when it comes to fashion, a big misconception is, like, People think creative directors are just the big brain that just create everything. But, like, it's a whole team, especially in brands like Balenciaga, of, like, hundreds of people that make a show happen. Yeah. So I wanted to, like, feature people in magazines that do really important work. So, like, footwear design. 
you cut out then. Sorry, what just um you you said that um you were trying to pay attention to the, to the people that were less recognized. Exactly. Exactly. So the idea is just like um you were saying footwear designers, jewelry designers, accessory designers, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um I think something that might be valuable, um I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I think a big part of what the All Youth podcast is about is taking the advice that you'd give to your past self um and just putting it out out there into the world in case people have that same advice. I think something that isn't yeah. talked about enough um is the monetization behind YouTube and how you can yeah. elevate your brand and make more of a community and that sort of thing. I'm aware are you still using Patreon? Yeah. How are you finding that? What's what's that like and how are you delivering content? Um it's interesting. I I deliver content um quite frequently there. I think contextually, because of the way I think, people don't kind of get it yet. Because I remember a lot of people that, well, not a lot, but a few people that subscribe to the Patreon were like, we aren't getting the content we want, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I'm posting that. The content that's there, you think, you might think you don't want it, but you will later. Because, so the type of stuff I post on Patreon is like interviews I have with certain designers. Mm. And stuff like that. And because people don't really know the designers, they might not watch it because they're like, well, yeah, I don't, like, this doesn't really interest me. But these are designers that I personally think will, like, be big in the industry and then there'll be really important interviews to go back to. So now people don't see the value in it. But in hindsight, people be like, oh, actually, I see what he's doing. And it just takes time for people to catch on to what I'm trying to do. Um, So that's kind of why I stopped promoting it as much because I didn't want people to feel like they're like paying money to something and not getting basically what they want out of it. Um, so it's a thing when now it's kind of like, if people want to subscribe to it, they can, but I'm not like actively like every day saying, Oh yeah, subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah. Would you say for you, it's as well, like, is it a good source of income? Um, I guess so. I mean, I can I don't mind saying figures like I get about $150 a month from it. Mm. So it's quite a bit of money. It's not like going to pay my rent or anything. It's not going to like pay any bills, but it is a good bit of money and the thing is because of the amount of money it is, I just put it to the side and I reinvest into my channel. Yeah. Um so actually what I do with my Patreon money, funny enough, my Patreon money is my book allowance every month. Oh, sick. so yeah, so I get I use the Patreon money to buy books that I then read to make YouTube content and just learn about fashion in general. That's a really good way of doing it. Do you think yeah. <laughs> if you made that public knowledge, that would probably make people sign up more to your Patreon? Maybe, but the, the thing is, I don't like doing that, though. I feel like with, especially with money things, I feel like money things are a bit sensitive and I'm not good at those things. This is where um, I remember I had a conversation with, one of my friends who was like, um, is it that because we are like British, we're just not good at selling things where like Americans are like, yeah, buy my merch and like, it yeah. just works. I'm just not good at that stuff. And I just feel like if people want to subscribe to it, they will. I don't feel like I need to like oversell it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, YouTube is not like my day job. So mm-hmm. I don't want to like keep overly promoting things when it's not even what, makes me money to pay rent and stuff anyway 
I guess the value for YouTube lies in the future anyway. Like if you can create yeah. an audience, that's a lot more valuable. Like I, I would 100% trade, I don't know, a grand. In, instead of having like a grand right now in my hand, trade a thousand extra listeners. Yeah. You know, like exactly. it's so much more valuable. Yeah. For, for down the line. I think when you graduate as well, um, what what year is that going to be with from Central St. Martin's? Um, so right now I'm back in first year, so that will be in two years. So 2023. Damn. I mean that's yeah. that's down the line, but after then you can you can imagine the sort of audience if you yeah. carry on the similar like trajectory and stuff. The amount of audience that you're going to have, and that's so useful to have. Yeah. You mentioned you were. Are you back in first year now? What? How come that's a a thing? Yeah, because um, so I was actually advised by one of my friends who's like a lecturer she was like you should do a master's but I went against her advice only because like my whole life all I studied was science mm. like my A levels I did sports science chemistry and maths um I did chemical engineering at uni it's kind of all I was good at when I did like any work prior to sixth form so it was a thing where I just felt like I never did any essay subjects I really feel like my writing needs a lot of work. So I feel like it would be a bit disingenuous just because I can go on to the master's and get the degree just for the sake of getting the degree. The reason why I'm studying at Central St. Martin's isn't to have a St. Martin's degree per se. Um, the reason why I'm going to Central St. Martin's is to learn how to be a better writer. Mm. And then the byproduct of that is having the journalism degree from St. Martin's. So I felt like three years working on my writing is just always going to be better than one. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Are you finding that have, being in, because I presume you're in with a lot of young people now instead of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. people close to your age. Has that made a difference to you? Um, In what way? Like with people being young or being about your age, is it like I couldn't care less? Or is there some like, I don't know, because I guess you can... I know if I was surrounded by people who were a few years younger than me, yeah, I might feel like there's a level of maturity change there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or is it just like not a thing? Um, I mean, yeah, in that sense, like everyone on my course is younger than me. I'm the oldest on my whole course. Um, but it isn't really an issue. Like, yes, there are some things that they do that are very immature, but that's, I was the same way when I was like 18 or 19 and stuff. Yeah. So, it's like normal completely normal so I don't even look at them and I'm like oh they're so mature because I know their age mm. so to me it's completely not I don't really have an issue with it and all of them are really nice people as well so we get on like perfectly so I, I don't see anything wrong with it at all and I kind of prepared my mind anyway that like I was going to be in with people a lot younger than me um right, I think like the, the difference yourself. yeah I think that the only difference is that the difference between me and a lot of people on my course is that because I'm older and I have responsibilities, i.e. I don't get student loans, I have to work to pay my rent, I pay for my own degree, I don't get student loan for that. So I have to work. So whether that's like YouTube or the photography shoots I do and stuff, that's what pays the bills. So I kind of have like a lot of responsibilities, mm. whereas I think people on my course don't. And I think that's where the maturity gap comes. Yeah, definitely. I think it, university for first year, I think there's there's a genuine big feel like I can kind of relax now. 
Like economic yeah. troubles aren't really a thing. Like everything's set out because the goal is pretty much the same for every eighteen year old in the country. Yeah, you know, and that that's something as well that I'm going through now because I'm a first year, um, so I can I can definitely see where that lies. You mentioned yeah. you're the oldest person in your course. Yeah. Is there no like mature mature students? Um, there are people who are like older. It's because I'm like 23 because obviously I've done a whole degree, worked and then gone back to school. Yeah. Um, there's a girl on my course, a really good friend of mine, Anastasia. She, um, went to University of Leeds. I think she did a year and then she left because she didn't really like it and then went to CSM. So she's a bit older. I think she's like 20 or 21 actually. Um, so there's a few people like that. And then the rest are just like 18, 19, and then I'm like 23, so a lot older. Mm. With the writing and stuff, which I wanted to come to, um, you, you, say, you said that writing is something that you want to like improve on and want yeah. to do, do more of. Do you think that you're going to be writing more in the future in public or private or like putting out loads more writing content? You know what I mean? Because like, at the moment, the biggest, most significant piece of writing that I can find that's like a public piece of journalism, obviously that's outside of YouTube, is from Sleek Magazine. Yeah. Um, I'll link to that in the show notes because it's a, I think it's really, really good. It's Kim Jones um, and his relationship to Fenty. Um, yeah. And sort of predicting the success of his, of his um, tenorship at Fenty. Where do you think you're going to go for writing from here? Oh, this is a really good question because, um, so obviously my whole thing since I did my first internship was, oh, I was going to be a fashion journalist. And then being a journalist now and actually writing for people and publications and stuff, I've realised the money in it is so little, it's almost like a waste of time. Not that I, I still want to be a writer, but in my own way. So I want to be in a writer in the sense of like having my own publication because I've started to realize that the what you get paid maybe it's maybe it's the level I'm at but like I've spoken to other journalists and stuff and like these massive massive publications will literally pay people between like a hundred pounds to four hundred pounds for an article and like bear in mind some some articles that you write you have to do research you have to transcribe you have to interview people and it's like the time like when you when you break down the time you spent on it versus how much money you're getting per hour it's like almost like minimum wage so in my head it's like "Mm, does this actually make sense just because it sounds good that oh yeah i write for vogue like if if the money is like really shit i'm just not gonna do it so it's the thing where i'm gonna perfect my writing skills probably focus on the video content I make and then write for my own publication. But because I, I'm formally trained in writing, my publication will be more a thing to take seriously. Yeah. And I think the great part about having a publication and having your own business is that because you're your own boss, the there's no like ceiling to it. You can yeah. you can break out so the magazine could be as big as Vogue or it could do two hundred sales and a, yeah. a, a, a copy. Like there, there really is no ceiling to it. I think if you brought on other writers and, you know, kept on doing that stuff, the revenue isn't as limited as being a freelancer. Yeah, that's so true. And another thing I've made a point of, so because I feel like the amount writers get paid, it just makes absolutely no sense. 
So for my magazine, I've actually involved a few writers and I made sure I paid them more than like what the industry standard is. Yeah. Like deliberately, because it's just like, I just don't feel like what writers get paid. It just doesn't make sense. Mm. Um, so I'm also using my magazine as a vessel to like combat things I don't like in the industry personally. Interesting. Could you speak more about that? Yeah, it's just like, like I said, I don't feel like writers get paid enough, especially for what they do. Um, so, yeah, I just decided to pay them more than the industry standard. And there's more like initiatives I'm doing because now I can't afford to pay um, photographers and stuff, which mm-hmm. can get really expensive. So I did most of the photography by myself and I had a few friends who like offered to like do shoots for free. Um, but also... In future issues, as my magazine gets bigger, I want to pay all of them as well um, and all that stuff. And really, because fashion is one of those industries where people do loads of work that they don't get paid for, but it's just the name. And then they try to leverage the name to kind of get paid. But it's like it doesn't always work that way. Mm. And a lot of publications do take advantage of people. So the goal for my magazine is to pay every single person that, works on it and to pay them a good amount i think that's really good i think that that has staggered me as well how little some of the biggest writers will be paid to yeah to write for these huge huge publications like yeah if you presume that every article that you read like how much would you pay to read an article i'd pay like 20p to read an article if you add up like the hundreds of thousands of vogue magazines that must be sold per per release yeah that's so much money i know <laughs> but then again ada winter gotta get that cash of course and <laughs> they don't just get money that way they get advertisers who pay for space pay millions yeah true to be on some of the pages so when you add it up it, it all doesn't make sense considering the writers photographers stylists and all the, those are the people that actually make the magazine happen mm. it's got to be a very lucrative industry yeah it's very lucrative for I guess the people at the top, I wouldn't say it's lucrative for the yeah the people yeah. that yeah. So we should start a magazine then. That's the answer. Start a magazine, <laughs> but do it do it not the honourable way like you're doing it. Do it where yeah. you don't pay anyone. <laughs> I think we've we've covered so much ground. Is there any like advice that you give to people? A a group of people who are starting in fashion journalism or starting as a designer. Uh, and, and want to gain experience, gain knowledge, that sort of thing. And then be people who are simply starting to create content online like YouTube and yeah. podcasts and Instagram. Um, so if I was to give myself advice from three years ago, I would just tell myself the best advice is just start. Yeah. Because I think, so once again, I told you, like I was a big fan of people like Sanjeev, Magnus, um, so many people there's like different eras of youtube like fernando rangel jacob wallace um so many people even jacob keller and people like that and i remember when i was watching their content i remember always thinking to myself i could make content like this but just like informational Mm. and i always had that idea in my head and it was just in my head for years before i decided to start making videos and i feel like if I started making videos when I, when the thought came to my head, I'd probably have a bigger audience. I'd be a lot further in like what I want to do. I would have been able to 
like do more things with my magazine and travel to different places. So I feel like if I could just go back, I would have started when I had the thought. So I think for most people, my advice is whatever you're doing, whether that's fashion or music or whatever, photography, just start. Like if you want to be a photographer, start doing shoots. Don't wait till you get a better camera or whatever. Like if you have a camera, then you can start and that's, you can learn how to use your camera, how to do different manual settings. Yeah. Like no experience is wasted. So I think the best advice, honestly, is just start. That's really so. I'd back that. I think if when I was talking about either of those groups or if you can identify and wanting to create any content or just having one of those ideas like, oh, yo, I should do that. Or like, yeah. I should do my own take on this. If If you thought, oh, I'm going to listen to this advice now because this kind of applies to me, this might apply to me then it 100% does and just stop. Yeah. Like, even if you think, oh, I've kind of considered, like, I've toyed around with that idea. The worst case scenario with the internet is that no one ever sees it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that's, that's the life-saving thing around it. Like, if you create a podcast or you create a YouTube account that no one ever sees, that is the worst ever, you know, thing. Like, the, even the best case scenario is that you get loads of, loads of views and you're still going to get stick. Like you're still gonna, you're still gonna have people like I don't know, take the mic or whatever. So, yeah, I I think like I say, we've covered loads and loads of ground. There's a lot of valuable stuff um, that you've talked about. Socials, where can people find you on Instagram and YouTube? Um, so my Instagram is at Fashion Roadman. My Twitter is also at Fashion Roadman. My uh, YouTube is called The Fashion Archive. So that's where you can kind of find me lovely stuff i'll link everything in the description it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you i think there's been so much value so i really really appreciate you coming on oh yeah for sure this was a lot of fun all right well take it easy thank you so much for listening and i'll see you in the next one how am i still like this no mate no side chick still look here if i'm wearing a hibis yes the people that is the show. I very much hope you enjoyed it. My guest today was I Your Ojo, also known online as the Fashion Roadman. As always, links are in the description. You can find his Instagram and YouTube, which is called The Fashion Archive, all linked down there. I'll also link his photography account because we talked about it. Um, I will link one of the articles that he has written for Sludge Magazine, which is really, really interesting, um, as well as his website, which he will be launching his new magazine from. Very exciting stuff. As always, if you enjoyed the podcast, then you can give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. It really, really helps us out. makes a huge difference to who can see the podcast, who the podcast gets recommended to. And if you don't listen on iTunes, that's absolutely fine. You can give us a follow on Spotify, just as useful. And we really, really appreciate it. If you want to make a podcast just like this one, then I have linked all of the equipment that I use personally in the show notes. Those are Amazon affiliate links, so if you buy something through those links, it means that we get a small kickback at no extra cost to you. How perfect is that ultimate way of supporting the podcast? Uh, And if you do so, I am forever grateful because 100% of the things that I make uh, from Amazon affiliate will be put straight back into equipment for the show. If you would like to come on the podcast to promote anything or uh, if you think you know someone who would be fantastic to come on the podcast, then you can give us an email at youth podcast at gmail.com that's a-l-l-y-o-u-t-h-p-o-d-c-a-s-t yes nailed it first time at g-m-a-i-l dot com 
Our show music is supplied by Archie. You can find his links in the description and also Harley Graham. Equally, you can find his links there as well. I've been your host, Luther M.E. Botterill, and you can find me on Instagram at Luther M.E.B. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day, and I'll see you soon.